Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm joined again by JJ Rivera, host of the 305 Culture Hoopheads show. What's up, JJ? All good over here, Devin. Um, pretty pretty good week of heat basketball after all the, the stuff that we've gone through. And yeah, man, how, how about you? How, how's it going for you? Things are going pretty well, I would say. Um, I've had a bit of an interesting month or so because I was on vacation and then my day job got uh, pretty busy. So I was kind of behind on some of my basketball work and um, I got a little bit of a head cold from just being outside too long as being a drunken hooligan, but Things really do finally feel back to normal uh, hey man, for me at least here. You're, at least you enjoy it yourself. Yeah, and, you know, I feel, well, I don't know. Beforehand, when we were when we pre-recording, we didn't get into uh, the Brook news, which is really the biggest bummer for Bucks basketball at the moment. But the Bucks oh, have yeah. at least climbed back up in the standings a bit here now that we're healthy. Uh our latest game against you guys was actually the first game that the Bucks lost uh, with Drew, Giannis, and Chris in the lineup. You mean um, the, Caleb, the Caleb Martin game? The Caleb Martin game. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by um, the way, he went down health and safety protocols right after the game. Oh, really? Shoot. I, I yeah, forgot he, about he that. He didn't play yesterday in Chicago. Who, by the way... Uh, Sorry to jump into this, but no, no. It was reported this morning that Zach Levine is the latest Chicago Bull to head into health and safety protocols. So that's what nine Bulls players in health and safety protocols. Mm-hmm. That it's really concerning because our last, their last opponent was, you guessed it, the Miami Heat. <laughs> yeah, that's always really scary too. I kind of think about that when, like, I don't know. You hear about other teams, the the Bulls aren't alone in it i think maybe the hornets were hit pretty good well actually speaking of which the knicks had i know hmm, i think obi toppin and maybe rj barrett one or both of them were in health and safety protocol at least like the order of operations isn't as like goofed up because they weren't in the game against the bucks but yeah you know it's it's december cold season so i guess this is just part of the new normal where we're going to be hearing about these protocols still uh yeah hopefully not forever barrett yeah just look at how barrett is in health and safety protocols Mm -hmm. and burks was also out of the game which helped which helped the bucks this morning but i think that was i think that might have been personal reasons so um the Bucks were able to take home this morning's game against the Knicks uh, pretty comfortably. Um, I didn't really add a ton of notes for this game since 
since we'll be talking mostly about the heat but you know for the for the sake of bucks listeners uh we are coming we're now on a two game well i don't know if you heard the jj reddick show but now sort of my perspective has been altered on streaks because you're saying you can't you can't like call it a streak if it's only two games which seems fair but i mean it makes sense it makes sense because um to me a streak requires so much consistency and that's why the phoenix suns earlier streak of eight what was it 18 straight games won yeah that was just phenomenal i don't care what the opponent is to have that many nights where you're simply on your game and on top of everything that's impressive yeah they i don't think they lost a single game in november which was pretty wild um yeah because they they played the warriors like twice in three days or something like that and i think they won the first but lost the second um after booker left like midway through that game um geez i could i could go ahead and just ramble about all nba stuff right now but i'm gonna try and keep us on track relatively speaking uh in terms of the miami heat um like i said you guys gave us probably our worst loss of the season considering um well we were talking before we were talking before about uh our first match of the season that i had forgotten about but um, our worst loss recently, because it was our first loss with all of uh, Chris, Giannis, and Drew in the lineup, and it was kind of the first game where the Bucks just kind of failed to take care of business since you guys were without uh, both Bam and Jimmy and Markeith Morris, who's missed 16 consecutive games since the Jokic push from behind. Is that correct? Yes, he hasn't played ever since and what it's been a month since that right about a month right it's so i looked it was it's been 16 games from my notes so i would think that that's at least a month Um, holy crap and and you know what's funny i saw people saying on the timeline that night that he was faking it well (laughs) i don't know man that seemed pretty dangerous to me that could have easily gone horribly wrong that push yeah i wanted to kind of chat about that at least briefly because that was a big point in the season that coming from Nikola Jokic an MVP candidate I think he got suspended yeah he got suspended for one game and Mm -hmm. spend it and find and Markeith got fined and Jimmy got fined as well but Jimmy they said that he didn't cooperate with the investigation because he was he was yapping at somebody on the on the Nuggets bench it wasn't Jokic, as I understand it, he was like talking to somebody on the Nuggets bench. Yeah, the Miami Heat would not be a team that I would want to be in a fight against. That's for sure. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm but, just saying a hypothetical because, of course, I wouldn't want to be in a fight with anybody <laughs> in the NBA. But of, listen, sure, the Heat are tough and, and Heat culture and all. But nobody in the NBA is really, really gonna fight. You know that. Like, there's too much yeah. money at stake. Although, you know, I wouldn't put it past, like, 
shit, we saw Udonis Haslam last season just come in, give you a couple minutes, and then just smack Dwight Howard. Although, you know, nobody likes Dwight, so I don't think nobody's caping for him. So, Yeah, I really liked, um, so we haven't talked in a bit, the, the Udonis Haslam interview on the Longshot pod with Duncan. I think that's the name of his pod. Like, UD seems just like an incredibly wholesome man that I wasn't yeah, necessarily he, he, expecting, but I knew he's like a darling to you guys. He's the OG, the the minister of culture, the mayor. <laughs> I love that so much. I wish we had our own UD. Um, maybe well, if we got, had John Henson stick around or something. I mean, you got Giannis. He seems pretty good at the uh, the culture thing in Milwaukee, just getting everybody to be accountable. Oh, yeah. I mean... He just so happens to be a one of the greatest players of all time, which, as much as we love you, Donis Haslam, he's not. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna have a, like a poor word choice here, but there's really no like tokenism or anything to Giannis since he is like an all-time great. Um, but I think the the Bucks, to a degree. Um, take their culture pretty seriously as well because i know they talked about um them considering that when trading the farm for drew holiday and there were also rumors about them being less intrigued with with chris paul due to chris paul butting heads with people but it would be cool to have chris paul as well if we didn't have drew worked out pretty well for you guys oh certainly um now, hmm, hopefully I'm not repeating from a previous show, but now that now that I've actually been able to watch like regular season basketball post championship, um, I was wondering if you sort of had this feeling after. Well, you guys had that really impressive run to the finals, but you've also been champions twice in the past, the past uh, decade. decade or so. So, I don't know. Do you? I would say it's a like a consensus around all Bucks fans that there's just like an amazing level of ease in watching games now and not like overreacting cuz whatever happens at this point like we just won a championship for the first time in 50 years and I'm less of a football fan but even so like there might be somewhat of a similar feeling with the Packers cuz they want it kind of right around when like the heat were winning championships do you have like do you think heat fans overreact less than other fans because they've had continual success or do you think not as much well i will say we haven't won one in the nba twitter era so in terms of overreaction <laughs> or underreaction or reactions and everything it might be hard to gauge however as i, I was really young when the heat won their for their second and third championships. But from what I remember, like me as a fan, I just remember like after a loss, I was like, well, man, so what? We just, and in 2013, there were many losses, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was an incredible year. But, you know, after 2012 and when coming into 2013, the 20. 20- 13 team are being 
I don't think anybody would argue that it that it's not bad. Probably the best Heat team, the best Heat team in history, the 2013 Heat. Mm-hmm. So, aside from the fact that there were many losses that year because they were just they just reached LeBron James reached another level of basketball genius that I don't think anybody in my lifetime has reached. I can't speak for MJ or Chamberlain or Russell because. I wasn't alive to see them play at their peak. But I can speak to saying that there wasn't a pl- there hasn't been a player that I've seen reach that level of intellect and athletic ability at the same time as LeBron James did in those two championship seasons. During his entire run with the Heat, but especially something became unlocked after the 2012 season when he was just... Sublime. He should have been the first unanimous MVP in NBA history, but some writer wanted to give a vote to Carmelo Anthony. But whatever, man. And but yeah, it was easier because you knew you had an all-time great on your team, which you guys do. Yeah, and he's and he's got a great supporting cast. The thing is, the only thing that I wouldn't say I would compare to you guys is the. A key piece of your championship team is out indefinitely, and back surgeries are no joke. So I wouldn't be surprised. Hopefully not, right? But I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him until the next season. A seven yeah. footer, a seven footer with back surgery—that's not great. Yeah, that. I know. I was trying to ride the optimism train just from like sorry to burst the bubble oh (laughs) no that's okay well the bucks are now thanks to you guys number two in the eastern conference standing so that's why i had kind of that wave of uh satisfaction over me and just like reflecting about the championship um but yeah big part of that was brooke lopez we talked a little bit before the pod about um how unique of a skill set um, he has, because um, there's another guy in trade talks that we don't think either of our teams can get, but he would be interesting. But we um, both would love to have him on our teams. We would would kill to have him on our teams. Yeah, okay. and even though Giannis's jump shot has definitely improved this season, it's like still only a marginal improvement. It's like not. You you wouldn't want his jump shot to like increase really at all, like and you in know, terms of like the contribution. Speaking at, yeah. Speaking as an outsider, you know, I don't think you would want Giannis taking too many jump shots because that's not how he's best utilized, right? You would want him just driving to the rim on cuts, on picking pick and rolls with him as a screener. Although him on the post, that seems to work as well. Seems to be working now more than it did way a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, I definitely would prefer him, even if, like, you probably heard this a lot with having LeBron on your team. Like, he can't dunk it every single time down the floor because, believe it or not, that takes an, that takes a ton of energy. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, well, well, but Giannis has improved in, like, shooting in the mid post like just over smaller defenders and he employed like kind of that push shot to late last season that helped us win a championship as well so 
I mean, he's just improved skill level um, all over the board, but outside of just having extra shooting at the center position, which is rare, um, I also think I'm more towards the minority and that I don't really like the idea of playing Giannis at center, at least not like full time. It's an interesting wrinkle to have in like a closing unit, but I kind of don't mind the idea if like, for example, I was also like, well, not this iteration of the Lakers maybe, but if Anthony Davis also was like the best player on my team, he's he's gotten like a lot of flack for not wanting to play the center position, but I don't blame him if he's like my best player and has to do like everything else, like I mean, I'd rather him he, not take a beating if he's my best player. Is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, and he seems. I I wouldn't call him fragile because no NBA players fragile. They're some of the most athletic, well conditioned people in the world. But he seems ill suited to play center full time because with him, unfortunately, that seems to be like an injury waiting to happen, right? Yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about Giannis as opposed to AD. No, no, I'm talking about AD. Kind of, I'm talking oh, okay. about AD. Yeah, I mean, I think it... Giannis is yeah. as durable as they come. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I sort of fear that, too, with Giannis. I think that's, like, that's like maybe helped his health that we've had, like, a big guy next to him. Um, yeah, that, but... I mean, that's, that certainly helps with... Cause he doesn't have to take all the blows because down low you take some blows mm-hmm. and then having to carry the offensive load, which is why we're veering off track here. But side note, <laughs> as much as I dislike what Jokic did to my team and specifically to Markeith Morris, the guy is just having an absolutely incredible season. And one would think that Steph Curry is running away with the MVP, but I I wouldn't be so sure about that. Yeah, I I don't know. I I would like Giannis to win his third MVP, but I don't really I don't think it's I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he's right like now. hard-pressed, yeah. Because he's, he, he's he's won enough, but I think there is kind of like a cluster of guys and I've heard a little bit more about Jokic in that conversation recently, I'll say, and well deserved cuz he's one of my favorite people to watch. Oh yeah, as a player, you know, wizard and all but mm-hmm. not the team success here. thing will really hurt him i don't think he'll i think the kind of the consensus top three of uh like katie steph and Giannis could easily be the consensus top three like by the end of the year and whatever happens happens yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't say the voters are fatigued of Giannis. it's just that everybody's like oh yeah like with LeBron, I mean, I, I, shit, if I, if I was Giannis, I would take this as a compliment. Like with LeBron, all those incredible seasons he has had, it, oh yeah, um, we expect that from you. Mm-hmm. So we, everybody always gives you your flowers. Let's give it to another guy. Y- yeah, I th- and I think he's won, he's won it more recently than Steph and KD, and especially people are falling back in love with Steph if ever they fell out of love with him but especially this year i think they he has mostly i don't want to call it a stink but the dislike that people had for 
the KD and Steph Warriors teams. He's mostly mm-hmm. washed that away in the last two seasons because he's back to being a one-man... Well, not a one-man show, but him being the guy and not just a juggernaut, juggernaut excuse me, that people would just, would just come into the arena and say, oh, well, we're losing by 20 tonight. Yeah, and I think Steph's also helped by the fact that his team's like exceeded expectations even for like the biggest Warriors optimists. Like Oh yeah. I didn't I did not I did not have like nearly as much faith in them this year. I thought they would be like competitive in the West and I did not expect him to have the runaway best in defense in the NBA <laughs> at this point of the season. Yeah, like, I wasn't expecting Draymond Green to be defensive player of the year. <laughs> Again, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just that he cares again. Like defense yeah. takes a lot of effort, and maybe he's. They felt refreshed after, what has been a two-year break of sorts for them because, what that they had a five-year run of grueling, deep playoff runs, and the mm-hmm. last two seasons, well, Steph barely played in the. Other season, Draymond was kind of mailing it in. Last season, Steph came back. They didn't reach, they didn't go very far in the playoffs, so they got more rest. So, yeah, I mean, basically seems like they're recalibrated. They're boosted by the young guys. Jordan Poole playing really well. Andrew Wiggins, my goodness. Who would have thought that Andrew Wiggins would suddenly become this guy after what we saw from him in Minnesota? And now Clay Thompson's back. And they, although they don't usually make in-season, in-season trades if they're good. But this, this team, I feel like, even though I think they should be the favorite right now, to, to be the clear-cut favorite, and I know we're veering off track here again. Yeah, <laughs> we usually okay. do this a lot. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they're a trade away. Yeah, I'm kind of with you where they definitely don't need to make a trade to win a title but also if i were them and like like why wouldn't you make a trade if you could really put yourself into like the upper echelon and obviously it's not like a trade for the sake of it it's just that a trade because right now if i had to gun to my if i had gun to my head if i had to pick a team to win the championship i would either pick them or the bucks with Phoenix, with Phoenix yeah, like for the culture. Well, well, my team in there sneaking in because come playoff time, this team will be very different. But mo- removing my bias Heat fan hat and putting on my NBA fan hat, I would pick them or the Bucks. And but still, it's not like they're the runaway favorites, and you know, like. Sometimes those little margins come back to haunt you in in June or in in May. So you want to be as much of a favorite as you can. But as Bobby Marks in the Zach Lowe podcast mentioned, they're not a type of team to make trades in season when they're really good. They just like to write it out, which I respect it because sometimes teams make a trade just because, and then it doesn't work out, and then they just ruined the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? So, you got an all-timer on your team. Well, you got two all-timers because Draymond Green is an all-time great. Mm-hmm. I don't care. 
what anybody says. He's an uh, he's an all timer with with his defense by him that makes him an all time great player. And another great player coming back. Although we'll see, we have to see how he comes back. And James Wiseman still hasn't played, but that's the big question. The big question for them: What can Wiseman give them in year two? Yeah, I think the move that this that we're sort of talk. dancing around could be. Um, I mean, I already strongly alluded to it. I don't know why I always like try to hide what I'm going to cover later. Um, You're looking like would be Marvel like trying if to Turner. Co- yeah, look like Marvel trying to cover up that Toby and Andrew won't be in Spider Man. So yeah, yeah. But I think I think if the Warriors got Miles Turner for their young guys, that could be a move. That would push them into into like the upper echelon, but like okay. I mean they're already there. But <laughs> I don't want to steal Bobby Mark's point, but he made a really good point in the podcast, which which again is sort of pushback to that move. Would you want to cast all your tradable assets into a move for Miles Turner or a Demonis Sabonis? Is Not that the type Sabonis. of player? Is that the type of player that you think would take you to the other level? You know, I thought about it a bit because, like, Draymond Green's already, like, DPOY at this point. So maybe that gets rid of some of the need because to do that. But I know that his value is at an all-time low, but you still have the number two pick from last year's draft. And you've got a lot of good young players in there, mm-hmm. plus picks. So I don't know. I would understand the hesitation to cash in all those chips for a guy who Miles Turner is very good, but is he what a? Would you have him as a top thirty, top forty player? Probably not. No, I mean I definitely would not mind as if I were a Warriors fan. I wouldn't mind like standing pat just because, like, teams in the top tier like this usually don't make huge trades. And, like and that, like unless I, it's abundantly obvious, like getting Kevin Durant. Aside from them, you like Phoenix is right on their tail. And Utah, you know, it's just that people are like kind of tired of Utah. Like, oh, this is their year, and then they flame out. Although I will push back on that a little bit as well, and say that the Clippers were just a horrible matchup for them. They were like the worst possible matchup for the Jazz in the playoffs, and it cost them. And also, didn't Donovan Mitchell and Conley? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Well, this is we we've gone out west here. We went, (laughs) we we started, we started. I don't know where where did we start? We started at some place, and now we're out west uh, talking about the West contenders. When you know this is good because. I definitely I don't mind doing this. I think it's refreshing refreshing for listeners to maybe hear something different. But I guess I'll bring us a little bit more back on topic and we'll probably go off base again. Um maybe to repeat something we were talking about before recording. Um I would say that outsiders would their critique with the Miami Heat would maybe be that that they're more shallow than recent years. Um, what would you say to people who have that concern about the Heat's depth? I would tell them to watch the games. <laughs> but no, uh, all seriousness, though, a big concern from all the experts and people around the league. Hell, I even had a bit of a concern there, but it wasn't as I wasn't like 
too pressed about it as some people were on the outside. That the Heat didn't have good depths. But guys like, I mean, Tyler Hero, he is the runaway six man of the year. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put my NBA fan hat and my NBA and, and, and Miami Heat bias fan hat. I'm going to wear one in the front, one in the back. He is the runaway six man of the year. And he has been so good. And I, he has started some games. I hope. I hope that you know everything settles down because on the injury front, Jimmy has missed five of the last six games. He has missed a. I hate saying this, but he has missed a ton of games this year. He was out with a with a sprained ankle when he when he got injured against LA, and then he came back, took a hard foul in the first Chicago game. It was a really hard foul. He gutted it out to finish that game, but then he was out until the Memphis Grizzlies game this week, and then he left again because he fell down again on his butt. So that has opened up the door for guys like Caleb Martin, a guy who we got on a two-way contract who looks to be a legit NBA rotation player. You don't get those type of guys on two-way contracts usually. So again, another diamond under a fine for the Miami Heat. Then you got Max Struess, who... My co-host Kenneth Wilson, shout out to him. He loves Max Max Truce. And he is a he has turned also into a good rotation player. Gabe Vincent. Some people he's a bit more hot and cold with some people. I am the one that I am of the ones that really value his defense and whatever he brings on offense is just a plus because on offense he's the weirdest he's the weird I wouldn't say the weirdest player, but he's Got a weird case in which he has a shooting stroke that's so pretty and so terrific, and the ball just simply sometimes refuses to fall in for him. I don't know what, I don't know what's going on with him. And then Deadman, who by the way he got an awesome game against Chicago last night. He was incredible. I saw he had twenty, right? Yeah, he got twenty. He was making <laughs> he he made I think what he made. Let me look it up. I think I don't. Now I forgot. I think he made a three or two, in yeah, he was outstanding last night. He, I couldn't watch like a whole lot of the game because I was at work. But man, oh man, was Detman just looking at the stat line and the and the highlights? He was really good. Yeah, he went two for two from three from three from three. God, I can't I can't speak. And I think that's enough about the death issues on the Miami Heat. They're 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 deep. The only thing that has been suspect this season, as Kenneth and I have alluded to multiple times, is Kyle Lowry shooting and Duncan Robinson shooting, who finally seems to be coming around. Both of them. Hmm. Yeah, I if I were you, I would also push back t- to those concerns a bit because the reason why you lost some death is because you added Kyle Lowry, which will help your title chances, to I mean, be sure. And to be honest... As much as we love Goran, I hope to see number seven in the Raptors one day with Dragic's name. He 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 looked old last season, and I know he he you know I don't know if the foot injury he suffered in the playoffs was worse than they let on, and he was suffering lingering effects again. He they had what like a month of rest, and then they was back they they were back to training camp. That's that's a really short turnaround, and 
every time I look at it, I just go, I go, man, that's that's just so crazy. We, it's, it's just wow. And then he didn't have the same burst, you know. And then we gave up Precious Achua, who, as a rookie, he didn't give us much. We played him a lot out of out of necessity, because we didn't until Detman came back, Tank came in to the team. He was our backup five, but I'm pretty sure that Spo wouldn't. Well, Detman arrived and Precious minutes were he was out of the rotation, clear cut, clearly out of the rotation. And you, know, I hope Precious has a good NBA career because. Again in Toronto, I don't, I haven't, I don't think I've watched a single Raptors game this year. Funny enough, because I, I, I like watching OG Ananobi, but it seems like the Raptors are having the same trouble with with him. He's just shooting a lot, and as a big man, like close to the rim, and he's not making them, and he can't catch. But enough precious lander. We've given enough precious <laughs> lander on my podcast in the past year or so. So, what I wanted to get at was the fact that we gave up what we gave up for Kyle Lowry the pick yeah probably down the road it could become something valuable but Goran and Precious for Kyle Lowry a guy who I I can say has declined he's 35 years old but he still brings what this team desperately needed which was upping the pace and you know who's I don't think pace-wise we're not still we're still not one of the top teams in the league in terms of pace, but still, I may be mista- mistaken, but still, what he brings in terms of playmaking and p- putting people on the r- people in the right spots, that's invaluable. And we did the right move, and we would we would do it all over again. Yeah, I think. Hopefully, I'm not going too far back on this point, but. I think that, um, like, concerns about the depth, just a lot of it comes from people not knowing a lot about guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Which is fair, because those were G League guys before they came into the, mm-hmm. the league. But they, they have were, they some real size to them, too. Um, plus, like, Co- is it Cody Martin, not Caleb Martin? Or yeah, is it, Cody. Ca- Cody plays for the Hornets. Caleb plays for for us for the Heat. Okay, yeah. So like, those guys aren't as well known as like uh, Kendrick Nunn, who I think he like ironically came from the G League as well with yeah. like Robinson, and they made names for themselves with the Heat. So, but you said that that Kendrick Nunn was maybe a little. Um, not trying to put words in your mouth, but like a little redundant with like a Tyler Harrow skill set, who's um, more of a score first guy. Yeah, and yeah, I would say he was redundant alongside him. Yeah, but you know when when you when you're talking about like your eighth through tenth guy, it's nice to have guys like the three in that cluster and like Vincent Martin and Struess who have like a little more size to them and can defend and just do like little things while you can rely on uh like tyler harrow to score like 20 off the bench or something Mm -hmm. so yeah um i don't know maybe do you have any concerns about having pj tucker as 
as like a full-time starter at all do you have any concerns with him falling off at any point or just well putting too much wear and tear on him i want to make a point first i did not i did not have on the bingo card for the 2021-2022 nba season of pj tucker having a career season at age 36 (laughs) because he has been nothing short of phenomenal for the heat i mean he is shooting well from from the field the the work he does on the rebound department even though like sometimes the numbers don't reflect it on the box score the work he does on the rebound department to tip balls or just box out somebody so that we can have a second chance opportunity or just secure the defensive rebound he has been magnificent and taking on tough defensive assignments of course i'm a bit worried because i don't think i don't think he's missed a, he's missed a game this year and you know what worries me is that those years in Houston, he played as the full-time center, mm-hmm. and he's as strong as he's strong as an ox, man. He he's just, just really strong. But still, that those type of hits that you take as a center, and all the physical requirements that it takes, you know, it takes a toll on you. And he is again thirty-six years old, so. Yeah, it's always in the back of your head. Like, man, I hope he keeps us keeps us up for for the entire year, you know. Because last season with you guys, he was a zero on offense, right? Yeah, um, pretty much. Not much, not much better than that. And it's it's really um, it's really awesome to hear that he's having a good start to the year for you guys. I've I've only really seen, I think the only Heat games I've seen were the ones that you guys have played us. And like, it makes sense that he would, that he would really show up for a game against us, especially when he gets his championship ring. But he was, he was really not used by us much at all last regular season. So that's why I had, um, I don't know, I guess like a little bit of reservation at first. Like I thought it was quite a luxury to have him initially come off the bench until uh dante got hurt in the heat series for us but um yeah also worth mentioning uh correct me if i'm wrong but did pj have eight assists in that last game let me let me check out i think he did but (laughs) I, i just in the the last game against you guys, I think he did have eight assists. It was a career high for him. I I yeah. wasn't all oh, the entire game just watching. I couldn't believe like well, I could believe it because I believe in my team. It's just that it was like so so cool to see the effort. And I would like to I like to call this a culture win. A heat culture win. Because the odds were stacked against us for before the game started. We're coming off a tough stretch in which we have lost. I think I don't want to. I don't want to make it up. So, but yeah, we had lost a couple games before, that, and including including a demoralizing loss to the to the Grizzlies, in which we seemingly never got it going. And to come and you can you can shit on me later when when the when we talk about the twenty two ball that the Bucks put on the on the Heat, which the score the final score was a lot closer than the game really was. <laughs> But yeah, it was an amazing. It was a really cool to see. And Pia Tucker eight assists, man. Oh, that was just 
Yeah, so we talked about how um, something I had noticed is that a lot of the Bucks Heat regular season games have seemed to be blowouts one way or the other in oh. recent years. I went back and tracked it, so the closest one was the nine-point game, the, um, shoot, I hope I don't say it wrong now, uh, Caleb Martin, right? Yeah, the Caleb Martin game. Caleb Martin. The Caleb Martin game was the closest Bucks Heat regular season game uh, going back to uh, like since 2019. It was a nine point game, and then Bucks won by 22 the uh, this past Saturday. But I'm not gonna rub it in at all because I had just totally blocked it out of my memory. The fact that we got 42 balled on our second game of the year, where I Drew Holiday, I think, was out um, that second game of the year for the Bucks, along yeah. with Brooke. Did it, yeah, he got injured against the Nets, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, a quick question. Has Brooke played since the Nets game? No, he only played the Nets game. Holy crap. So yeah. he, has, he has been out for a long while. and mm-hmm. Oh, man. Hopefully he gets better. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell from my tone there that I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get my hopes up. And uh, the Bucks have been anything but transparent about injuries. Not that I blame them. Cause... Oh, no, oh, no, the Heat did that as well. You have to wait because Shams nor Walsh can really get anything from them. Oh, unless you follow, like, local reporters are the only ones that can get info ahead of time. But usually you've got to wait until the official statement comes from the team. Yeah. For what it's worth, I think the Bucks said that they were hopeful for a Brook return this year. Um, but, I mean, if, if we're, like, reading that reading that wording, it doesn't actually, like, tell you anything. It's not really... It doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence, right? Yeah. He also came... He was in like a video interview with Shams too, and he said that he had a return date in mind, but he never actually said the return date. And of course, it seems like. But that was bef- was that was that before the reported surgery or after? That was that was before the surgery. So I think Frank Madden of Locked On Bucks defended the Bucks a little bit in saying that it seemed at the very least that they didn't expect Brooke to. Um, you know, be out indefinitely like it was most recently reported. So maybe maybe they didn't know either. Maybe they had to wait until the surgery actually went down uh, to be able to give a timetable. But I mean, either way, if I'm the team, I wouldn't want to I like I don't know the incentive to tell us anything either. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm no I'm no medical expert. I'm not, I'm not a doctor or anything, but Based on the recovery, what was what was the official injury that they reported, or they just said he had back surgery? I th- I think that's like pretty much it, just something with like his back. Oh man, because <laughs> you know, hey, I I wouldn't I don't want to put any bad energy towards him. I really hope that he he returns to full strength and he as as soon as he can. But reading the tea leaves here, as you said, I, yeah. I mean, I would I would. If he comes back, even during the playoffs, I would just take it as an absolute surprise. 
Yeah, and we've we've kind of had this in the back of our mind for several years now, Brooke, like a a heavy seven footer in his thirties has played over a decade in this league. Um, we kind of figured he would have to be the first guy in our core that we would that we would maybe have to replace one day, but at least we have a championship under our belts now. So even if we can't have like as perfect a fit as we have we've had with him seems like a great least. guy as well yeah yeah so hopefully he's able to return to you know at least close to the level that he was at before but um you know these these injuries don't always have people coming back full strength um at risk of repeating myself i know i kind of felt like i felt a little bit foolish because i was frustrated with some of the uh like defeated words coming out of like bucks twitter that like oh well of course signing boogie cousins means that brooke lopez is is going to be out for the year i was more so in the camp that like hey guys let's wait until the actual news comes out because the bucks were thin in the front court regardless so maybe this is just a flyer on boogie cousins and you know i prove i realized that maybe i should have been more realistic but People were saying similar things about Dante DiVincenzo and signing, re-signing Wes Matthews, and Dante DiVincenzo is set to return on Wednesday against the Pacers. So I'm vindicated a little bit there that now we don't have any worse news coming out of Dante's camp. Good for him. Yeah. Um, also, did he did he sign? Was he the one that signed the extension? No, that was actually Grayson Allen signing the extension oh. before playing a game with the Bucks. That doesn't always go well. I know you said uh, you and Kenneth had talked about talked a lot about the Pelicans, and they've received criticism for extending their players before they play a game with them. But oh yeah, worked out well for the Bucks in this case. Um, yeah, but I would be concerned about Dante's future with the Bucks then. Yeah, if I'm if I'm Dante, I definitely feel a lot more pressure coming back from injury than you'd like. But for the Bucks, it's just a it's just a luxury to have both of them, and um, and they're like again, I don't follow the Bucks as closely as you, but I want to ask you: Has there been like any reported discussions of an extension being on the table before the injury, or or was everything so, called off after the injury? I think after the injury, they just kind of figured that... I think it made sense for both sides just to let it go into free agency because the Bucks probably weren't willing to pay much more than they were than they eventually gave to Grayson um, since Dante was coming off of an injury. And uh, I'd say Dante definitely has a lot more ball skills than... Then Grayson Allen and as a two-way guy, so with his with it just being his second contract, he probably wanted um, he probably would have at least been asking for more than what Grayson got, which was about uh, 10, 10 million annually. I think it's slightly under ten guaranteed, which I think is a pretty big win for the Bucks. So yeah, and a guy that I, turned out to be a really nice addition for you guys. Yeah, I was so. I was in the Bucks camp where I'm always lower on guys. I think just 
emotionally, I would rather be pleasantly surprised than like disappointed <laughs> with oh, yeah. with additions. I think, I think that's a good way to approach anything in life because then you <laughs> yeah. you would have you would avoid so much sadness and anger. Yeah, and I also had a lot of residual anger for us not bringing back PJ Tucker. I understand with like the the luxury tax. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to calculate luxury tax because it's not like, um, gotta ask you Larry Coon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ask ask Larry Coon, not me. But also, the luxury tax isn't just calculated based on like single moves; it's based off of the entire team salary. But I had tried to do a some sort of calculation when we didn't re-sign PJ Tucker, and it would have once we entered the repeater, it would have almost doubled. Uh, we would have paid double of what his salary actually was, or somewhere around there. So you understand it more, but I think pretty much all Bucks fans, as much as we get tired of the whole Kevin Durant shoe size away from disaster, like, you can't really argue it. <laughs> I mean, listen... I I have been guilty of buck slander in the past, and I've I'm, I've made the KD point, the KD big ass feet point in in the in the past. But I also mentioned in my own pod, every champion needs a degree. You know, you need some things to go your way that are not in your that are not in your control. Oh yeah. I mean, our our last championship. Who would have thought that Greg Popovich would take out Tim Duncan? the greatest power forward of all time, a top 10 player of all time, for the penultimate possession of regulation with the Miami Heat down three, which allowed Chris Bosh to essentially jump over everybody and grab that offensive rebound and pass it to Ray Allen. Would that have happened if Tim Duncan wasn't there? Maybe, but the chances of it happening were significantly lower. That just went our way. It's something we cannot control pop substitution patterns. Mm -hmm. Or he just deciding that yeah there's a high degree of luck to any championship to be sure uh but we might as well take a moment here to give a special shout out to ray allen as uh steph curry is is all all the more close to passing six ray away. allen six away now um i mean do you think he's he's pressing a little to get that record because the last few games i've watched of him like in the with the record watch on hand, he seems to be like pressing a little. I think it's hard to say because I he's always I think he's taking more threes now than ever, which makes sense because he's the best shooter of all time. He's I like think a, last time I read he was like a thirteen a game, which is insane. I'm I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, but also I think I think more than Steph, I think just NBA fans and NBA media is pressing for it more because I share uh, Trey Kirby's laugh when he he touched on how Steph was like 16 threes away a couple games ago and they started the countdown then because um, I think Steph did humor the idea of like, oh, well, I technically could hit 16 threes in this game and get the record now, but... Which... Is, well, I wouldn't call it impossible because I've seen really crazy things happen in this league, but 
Yeah. If I if I remember correctly, that would be a record. I think the record's pretty close to that, but probably I think he he has it or Clay has it. Yeah. Um but so Steph, I looked this up. As far as hitting just 10 threes in a game, um Steph Curry has the record for that with like 22. The next but... closest is Clay Thompson with 5. Yeah, yeah. But that's but that's only 10 threes, right? Steph would have to hit six more threes on top of that to have gotten that record two games ago. And Steph's only done that 22 times. I say only when he's running away with that record, but he's played so many more games in his career. So I just thought that was funny. Um, but we know he's going to get it, even if he has Matisse Thibel guarding him every single night for for the next month. He's gonna also, get it. Uh, yeah, he's at thirteen point four attempts per game this season, which is just ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> For context, in his legendary 2015-2016 season, he averaged eleven attempts per game. Wow. Which I know two well, extrapolate two more attempts per game through an eighty-two game season, and that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the surface, it doesn't look like much. But you you know, also he, man, that that season he was insane. He was making, he was making, he was shooting forty five percent from deep that season, and most of that came off the dribble or with a hand in his face, and it didn't really matter. God, yeah, we ought to not take Stephen Curry for granted. Um, I don't. I I feel like I personally have watched more like a ton of warriors this season when i'm thinking about teams that i watched other than the bucks and they're fun yeah like <laughs> i don't think anyone I, can blame me i mean they're fun i'm i listen i was one of the people that really didn't like the KD warriors thing no but you know we gotta let that go it's been what five years since the move whatever what's happened yeah. has happened yeah they were they were fun they were fun before KD coming to the warriors and I mean, it, they, it still wasn't the worst basketball to watch, even when they had KD, even though I, was just I infuriating think everybody else because, was, was bitter, too. It was just infuriating because you knew your team had no chance. Yeah, and especially Bucks fans, too, when, when we thought we were entering our title window at that point. And I was, I was definitely frustrated because I had friends who were saying, even though it wasn't true, they were like, oh, well, I'm just not going to watch the NBA now. Like, I knew I wouldn't stop watching the NBA or anything, but. I, w- I just, I hate watch the NBA. Like, yeah. I, like, those 2018 Western Conference Finals, I always hate watching them because I was rooting so hard for Houston. That's probably the hardest I've ever rooted for a team that does not feature LeBron James or the Miami Heat. <laughs> <laughs> I was rooting so hard for them, and my I was so heartbroken when Chris Paul went down. Yeah. Well. Hey, get... so I wanted to ask you also because I think I missed this on uh, on my previous episodes. So the Heat and the Bulls recently uh, lost their. I think it was their next available second round picks in the. Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball sign and trades that occurred. Oh yeah, the whole the, tampering thing. Yeah, um, and of course the Bucks have their own connection with the Bogdan Bogdanovich 
uh, signing that that never was, and Bucks fans naturally are really upset with this. But I, I mean, think you know that I have my perspective is usually a little more just like broad on like the rest of the NBA, as you might hear, and we I think Bucks fans need to recognize a little bit how our pursuit of Bogdan Bogdanovich was probably even more egregious considering we tried to well, well it, it occurred to the, like days before according to and, the reported details like Bogdan he he read all the reports and he was like wait I haven't actually agreed to anything like yeah. according to the reports that I read so that's I mean what I, you'll I, hear a lot from Bucks fans you'll hear I would, You'll hear, well, what the heck? Like, we didn't get to keep our guy. But the thing is, he was never our guy to keep anyway. And he he did, like, come out in the media immediately after, like you said, and say, hey, I didn't agree to anything. So so nothing nothing additional was really taken from the Bucks. It's just, it's just less fortunate that we don't have Bogdan Bogdanovich on our roster, but also... Dante had a pretty good season last year, and we ended up winning a title. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll let bygones be bygones. But do you have any thoughts on this for the Heat? Tamperings. Well, I have two words. We move. Yeah. I mean, what what else can you say? I mean, everybody tampers. It's not. It's no secret. I mean, they I were think just you guys trying... would have given up an additional second round pick if you had to to get Kyle Lowry anyhow. So exactly. So and. Who does this like punish really? You're essentially punishing prospects because you're taking away two more chances for them to land in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Which again will just give us more 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 people, you know, will give us a wide array of choices for our G League system to develop the next superstar. Yeah, I think that's kind of the most important point. Like the NBA has done well and and introducing the two-way contract and what is it now now it allows for like 60 more guys to be on an nba team but yeah now just two less guys will will be able to hear their name called on draft night and it's a bummer but um yeah the the heat will just have to utilize their g league system even more now that's proved proven to be pretty successful i think they'll be fine yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah, no, we can leave. We can leave that there. It doesn't really, um, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, I don't want to touch too much on. I know we've talked a lot about general NBA, um, so I'll share a couple other Bucks points real quick that I've failed to mention. One was the uh the, before the Heat game. The Bucks took care of business against the Cavaliers as Giannis scored 27 points in 27 minutes on his 27th birthday. Wow. Little, yeah, a little bit of fun there. Fun fact, I believe the Bucks are also undefeated on uh, Giannis's birthday in years where they've played on the exact day. I remember... <laughs> well, they should, maybe they should just make every day Giannis's birthday. I mean, in Milwaukee, it's... It's already sort of celebrated that way. Oh yeah, I but... know you guys. He's 
basically a god over there. So yeah, I think I think people will be lining up to build his statue as soon as it's announced that it'll be arriving and I'm sure other people, not including myself, have Giannis statues handmade in the back of their closets anyhow. Um somebody probably has a shrine to Giannis. Yes. Yeah, someone who has a Milwaukee Bucks show on the Hoop Heads podcast network might. But um, <laughs> I yeah, so this was my first look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. I thought it was particularly interesting because I had yet to see Evan Mobley who uh, might be the rookie of the year favorite at the moment and he's kind of a Giannis he's similar to Giannis as similar as one could get he he looks will, like a looks like a hell of a player yeah people are already locking in that he will make an all-defensive team at one point in his career if not already <laughs> saying that he could win a defensive player of the year um uh, if he makes it only once, that would be a huge disappointment because what he has shown, oh my goodness, what a what a player. Yeah, and worth mentioning, we laughed a lot, at least I did, at at their starting lineup this this year with uh, the starting Laurie Markkinen at the three. But, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, I would say that's, that, uh, that helps Mobley's case in a way because he's able to he's he's super mobile on defense for for a big guy and that allows uh that allows the Cavs to play with more giants especially now that they don't have Colin Sexton also um is that yeah. three seven footers in the same lineup does, does Jared Allen reach seven feet I'm pretty confident Jared Allen is seven feet, and Mobley and Lowry are pretty dang close. I think you would just kind of be, um, I don't what, know, an, stretching an it like an inch short? or so. Yeah, God. that's what she said. Um, <laughs> I was also impressed with Darius Garland. I heard a lot of chatter with him, but again, with Evan Mobley, without actually seeing them in action, I was a little dubious and. No, um, Darius Garland absolutely has has the ball on a string, and yeah, I mean, I would love to have Darius Garland, especially at his age, and I think he's... Who wouldn't? Yeah, I think it's totally uh, worthwhile having him as a building block, and um, I don't know, people seem to be a lot lower on Colin Sexton, and I never really understood it, but... I guess having Garland there makes him more expendable. But I don't know. I th I think that the Cavs could just keep holding on to talent. I don't think that... I don't know if they'll be helped by getting rid of Colin Sexton. I mean, Colin Sexton's a good player. It's just that the, the type of... You know, it's really weird because he get he's a guy... He's a bucket getter. Mm-hmm. But... I don't watch the Cavs enough to have an like a really informed opinion. Like, maybe, uh, maybe you should have Mark Schindler on. He 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 knows his stuff about the Cavs. Yeah. Shout out to him, fellow SBC classmate. So, with that being said, looking at like 
his percentages and all and how you know how he really gets those bucket those said buckets the ones that you know the bucket getter getting I'm, I'm i'm running out of of out of, <laughs> <laughs> out of adjectives but he is not like the pinnacle of efficiency getting his mm -hmm. you know his so-called buckets again Last year he shot forty-seven percent from from the field overall on eighteen attempts. He had twenty-four a game. That's pretty dang good. However, yeah. like an assist, he might leave a little bit more to this, a little bit to the side and all. And I, I think he's a fine player, but maybe not. Putting my management hat on, I know people don't like management, but if I were in a general manager. I would probably balk at giving him the full max he's seeking. Would you give him the max? I I probably would, but with some like some sort of like obtainable incentives so that he can reach the max. Mm -hmm. I mean yeah, what I, what would you say? Yeah, I I'm probably in a similar boat. Like I don't know who else you would give the money to if you were the Cavs. Like I I would have probably rather given given some of the money that they gave to like Laurie Markinen to Colin Sexton but I I also don't think he's like a no-brainer max I don't think it it hurts them to push it to restricted free agency especially with his unfortunate injury which he is expected to be out for the season mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning the Cavs are still number five in the East as of right now. Yeah, so, they're right behind us, the Heat. Yeah, shout out to the Cavs for still continuing to blow my mind with the success given my this is the, um, hesitation with their roster. I think this is the first, like, in my lifetime, the first non-LeBron James Cavs team that's actually relevant. Yeah, Um because even when they had Kyrie, like when they only had Kyrie and Tristan Thompson, they wouldn't like. They never had a start like this. I think. I I definitely do not remember being enthused with a Cavs team that did not have LeBron James before. Yeah. Um, but I would just say my last, my main point on the Cavs there was, and my Colin Sexton defense was that I didn't think the Cavs were were far enough in their rebuild to be like concerned that that like that Garland and Sexton might have might have a, a similar outcome to Dame and Sexton where they're too redundant and give too much up on defense to build around them because if those two guys turned into the other two guys I'm talking about that would be a huge success but I also don't want to bring this into a Blazers conversation because that's no, let's talk That's about it. Let's talk about the Blazers. <laughs> okay, like, well, let's what briefly would you discuss do? them. Yeah. So, I think it's pretty well, I will not say it's simple, but if I were them, I would well, the CG if, I could, thing if I could, if I could, I would get Simmons, but I I don't know if it's quite that simple. Listen, I've been on the on the CJ4 Ben train for months now. But now, obviously, and you know, all of this trade talk aside, and you know, 
speaking on the human element, I really hope that CJ McCollum's thing is not really serious, and he, I hope he recovers because if people listening to the pod don't know, he was diagnosed with a collapsed lung, and he is out indefinitely. So hopefully yeah. he gets back to full strength because that's scary. Anyhow, looking at it for pre-injury, CJ to Philly for Ben Simmons it made a lot of sense, at least to me. Because I agree. Portland, once again, they have like one of the worst, if not the worst, defense in the NBA. Damian Lillard's not going to lock anybody up anytime soon. He's not that guy. Also, his shooting has he has he's like kind of regressed this season. I don't know if that should be cause for concern. He he is a small guard entering his thirties, so mm-hmm. I would watch out for that one. But anyhow, and Ben Simmons is you know he would instantly boost that defense. Ben Simmons is when he's right. Ben Simmons is a defensive player of the year caliber player who should make if everything you know, get solved, should make many more all-defensive teams throughout his career. Obviously, his offense, his lack of offensive game in the playoffs will be exposed by all the good teams. So you got to find a way to work yourself around that. Although, a sharpshooter like Damian Lillard and, you know, having guys like Robert Covington and another piece and Norman Powell around him could help ease that offensive burden. On the Philly side, CJ McCollum, do you think it's a listen? Joel Embiid is having a spectacular season, and yet we all know that when crunch time comes in the playoffs, this team still does not have enough to get it done. Would you say so for Philly? I would say so. Yeah, I would say having again a, a healthy prayers up to CJ McCollum, but a healthy CJ McCollum would be. Um, would be an enormous addition for the 76ers. And, and, you know, as as much as people have been happy with Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry, I would feel a lot better having C.J. McCollum. Right. He, um, yeah. he solves a lot of their perimeter creation issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my fear, my fear right now is just that, that we might be getting closer to Daryl Morey having his way and... You know, the Trailblazers season not going the way that they wanted to. And I don't think I don't like think. them having to include more picks than they wanted. But I also don't know how many picks the, the Trailblazers really have. And of course, CJ if, CJ McCollum's health, uh, you know, listen, has a lot to do with this. Unless it's for Dame, I don't see it happening at this point with CJ's injury. I mean, yeah. Because if CJ were healthy, I would say. Helmet. Hey, by Wednesday, I wouldn't be surprised if the trade comes in. But uh, the injury further complicates things. And for for the teams, I of course for CJ it's a huge blow. For but hmm. what other team do you think could like make a whole lot of sense for Ben Simmons and have the assets that could satisfy Philly's Philly's asking price? Because it's really hard right now, I think. And Daryl Morey, put yourself in Daryl Morey's shoes. What incentive would you have to lower your asking price? Not a ton of incentive at this point because the Sixers 
look pretty good right now. Sure, like, six isn't what they have in mind, but, you know, without Ben Simmons, that's not the worst thing in the world. And also, teams, they're only three and a half games behind the Nets for the number one seed, so. Yeah, um, and I think, yeah. you know, the team has also, I think, like, probably the PR department or something has asked reporters to not ask about Ben Simmons because, you know, it's been quiet on the public front from the Sixers. Mm-hmm. No comments from the players and all. So, yeah, I think they're probably handling it as well as you could. Obviously, management, you know, they've made some mistakes along the way, allowing it to reach this point. But Simmons is not blame this in, blameless in this because his on-court issues are really glaring. But, yeah, I mean, whole messy situation, really. And I really hope it gets solved soon because it's been, don't you feel like kind of over it at this point until the trade actually happens? Yeah, as, as someone who's like totally addicted to 2K, I'll admit, I feel like I'll never get sick of trying to build every <laughs> hey. single team around Ben Simmons. But um, I mean... Yeah, it is it is nice that we actually have NBA basketball now because for a while there in like the dead of summer I feel I felt like I was I must have just like I might as well have just had a segment named after Ben Simmons because oh, I just didn't have a lot to was, speak on in the it summer. It was insufferable during I mean during the summer we also had to talk about it because there wasn't much to talk about and everything was Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons is that might as well call the league the National Ben Association because God, it was so much talking about that guy in the in the off season, but real basketball has solved our, all of our problems as it has for the past ten years of my life. Basket NBA basketball solves my all of my life's problems. I wish that were the truth, but no. <laughs> now, if you were the Rockets, would you trade Garrison Matthews for Ben Simmons? I don't know if I would. I don't know. I think that you're giving too much to the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. You'll probably have to ask for a pick back. That, I think, has maybe been my favorite thing of the week. I don't know. That's, that's like, definitely a stretch. But I've, I've been really humored by the fact that Garrison Matthews is referred to as Gary Bird by... Oh, really? By a is large he? population of NBA <laughs> Twitter, yeah. Well, he did kill us. He, he did kill the Heat when we played the Wizards last season. We won that game, but he was killing us, man. Really? So he he had six he had six threes against the Bucks in their one twenty three one fourteen victory on Friday, and that game definitely made me nervous because you might remember Kevin Porter Jr. dropped fifty against Drew Holiday and the Bucks last year. Oh yeah, he did. Oh, so. I forgot it was against Drew. God. Yeah, no, he was quoted. There was like a video of him in the in the locker room, like uh, talking about like like. Do you see that I had Drew? I had Drew sliding like all over the court, and I was like, "Oh no, not Drew, not Drew." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Shout out. This all defensive I, first team guard Drew Holiday, by the way. Yeah. So I just wanted to squeeze that in there because I'd be remiss if I did if I got through this show without saying that the Bucks ended 
the Houston Rockets' seven-game win streak. I still hardly believe it, reading it off of my notes, but the Rockets had a seven-game win streak after a 15-game losing streak, and that's got to be not something that's that be, I thought I would that's say. Got to be some sort of record, right? Definitely. I, I mean, probably, I won't do the digging to, to validate ESPN that, stats, but I'll say probably it. ESPN stats and info has probably tweeted out something. Yeah, we also got um, a reenactment of the Valley Oop. Well, I don't know how the rest of the NBA. That's how they call it, the Valley Oop. So I've heard people refer to. There was like originally the Tyson Chandler play, but the Suns did it against. Was it the Clippers where they they threw a lob over the cylinder and technically oh, on no, offense? That, that was the Suns that did it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the rest of the NBA might call that the Valley Oop, but Bucks fans refer to the Valley Oop as when Drew Holiday ripped it from Devin Booker and then Yeah, that's, and then that's he threw the lob to Giannis. That's the one I was thinking of. That's I oh, okay. Like, well, well, he's good. probably I'm, referring to the Giannis play, but yeah, that's also a you know what? Let's give the value to the Phoenix Suns because they have done that. They have executed that play, that inbounds play, twice to win games. Yeah, I think who who was it there? Dang it, I'm forgetting the name. I think he's like a famous college coach, too. But they had it was either like an interim head coach or an assistant coach, like just totally read through the rule book and dug that up and essentially invented it for the nba so whenever someone can do that all of my respect goes to them but also just seeing the exact same play from the finals except this time drew stealing it from not devin booker but gary bird and then and then tossing it over uh christian wood bucks legend to Giannis, and on the same angle is just amazing (laughs) Shout out Christian Wood, though. He had a good game in this one. Um, and then I did I did share that the Bucks took care of business against the Knicks. Giannis cracked 13,000 career points on a drive. And I do have to correct myself because I think I had one of my one of my worst moments of misspeaking on this show when I just automatically assumed that Chris was in the top three or five of Bucks scoring already, but I can't just always lump him in with Giannis, even though they've played every single season together, because uh, Chris currently ranks, I believe it's eighth in Bucks scoring, behind Kareem, Giannis, Glenn Big Dog Robinson, Sidney Moncrief, Michael Red, uh, Bob Dandridge, the Greyhound, and Marcus Johnson. But Wow, and Ray Allen in that list? Wow. Yeah, no, no Ray Allen. That's uh, surprising. I guess, yeah, I guess he didn't play long enough to the chagrin of uh, of Bucks fans to be sure that uh, Gary Payton trade, of course, did not age very well. But hmm. you could say I'm, that. Yeah, but I'm glad we're getting another Ray Allen shout out in this in this show. Um, with everything that's going on with Stephen Curry. Yeah, um, I've seen. I think, you know, younger fans kind of don't know how great Ray Allen was. Yeah, even, and I mean, hell, even someone like me who started watching the 2010s, Ray Allen was still damn good. 
in the 2010s? I I definitely think I could even underrate Ray Allen myself because I was really too young to see him when he was on the Bucks and he was like still supremely athletic. And by the time I was actually watching the NBA, he was in Boston. Yeah, and yeah, pretty much. Like even I don't think I was even nearly as obsessive as I am now. So it's pretty much just Boston and Miami Ray Allen that I picture in my head and of course he he was much more than a shooter in his day yeah he didn't he compete in a dunk contest i think so i f- i feel like i can picture clips from that i think i think um in a dunk contest he had the the dunk where he like reaches in to the hoop with like his elbow on the rim i always but... i've always thought that that shit Seems like it hurts, actually. You could yeah. get a bruise from that. I've I've always thought that too, as someone who who can hardly dunk, and if I and if I'm honest with my current athleticism, I don't know if I could dunk at all right now. But yeah, I think that would hurt a lot. I, all right. I think so. Well, JJ, we're an hour 20 in. God, this has been really long. It flew by, too. Yeah, and I think there's definitely still a lot more for us to get into with, uh, of course, well, we did speak a little bit on Miles Turner, but the Pacers seem to be entering their own uh, sort of fire sale, if you will, but... Hey, I guess there'll definitely be another show between the two of us to come in the future. But oh, yeah. JJ, is there anything else you would like to say to the listeners out there? Or is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, Well, I would like to shamelessly plug our 305 Culture Podcast with me and Kenneth Wilson. We go on, you get new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Depending, depending on the games. And yeah, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This is a 305 Culture Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network as well. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJ RIV as in Victor E R A N B A. And yeah, thank you for having me on, Devin. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks again, JJ. And uh, yeah, huge shout out to you. I know listeners probably have put it together that you're essentially like the only guest that I have on this show because I put a lot of pressure on myself when I have when I have guests. I feel I like can, I have to I can, I, I can change my name. You can change my <laughs> name so that we you can have a lot of the guests. No, no. You you gotta get your credit credit in, JJ, because you make uh, recording a lot easier uh for myself. So that's why we know we'll have you back. Um but uh, also in case uh, new listeners want to know where to find me, you can uh, search Nuck If You Buck NBA. U is just the letter U. Everything else is as it sounds, and that's on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so check out some more of my stuff and JJ's as well. But until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast.
We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.